Good morning. I'm going to read Luke 14, verses 1 to 24. And apparently I get Welsher when I read, so I hope you'll be able to understand me. Okay. Um, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. The reading is on page 1047 in the Bible, as if I didn't say that. <gasps> Good start. We're now on verse 5, if you've got it. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who humble themselves, all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go and see to it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I have just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Shall we pray? Come Holy Spirit, come speak through me. Come help us all to hear you this morning. Help us to know that you are close to us and your compassion for us. Amen. Okay. Um, We've been looking at Luke's gospel over the past few weeks. And the theme that keeps on coming up in Luke's gospel is the kingdom of God. 
Jesus is showing us what it means to live in relationship with God under his authority. And in today's passage, Jesus was at a party and he uses his words and his actions at that party to teach us about the kingdom of God. Jesus heals someone. He then watches the guests at a party trying to get better seats and he teaches a parable about the kingdom of God. And then he uses the example of a party to teach more about the kingdom of God. The main message in this reading is that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It's not for people who think they are superior, but it is for people who know their weakness and choose to follow Jesus. I want you to imagine the scene at the party. Jesus at a party with these this prominent Pharisee. They're all sitting around for a meal and the Pharisees are trying to work Jesus out. They're uncertain about him. They're questioning who he is and they are watching him carefully. And Jesus is fully aware that he is being watched. And so he uses the opportunity to show people who he is and to teach them about the kingdom of God. Jesus sees a man at this party with an abnormal swelling and he has compassion on the sick man and heals him. Jesus breaks with the traditions and expectations of the Pharisees and heals on the Sabbath. Jesus is making the point that in God's kingdom there is healing for the sick. The sick are not forgotten but they are noticed and they are healed. The Pharisees would be so concerned with keeping the rules, so concerned with keeping the Sabbath, that they wouldn't have compassion. And Jesus is not saying that Sabbath rest is a bad thing. It's a good thing. But he is showing compassion for the sick. And after he heals the man, Jesus asks the Pharisee in verse 5, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? The Pharisees were unable to answer because of course they would pull out their own child or animal. And Jesus is saying that he cares for the sick person as much as they might care for their own child. Jesus sees the pain of the man with the abnormal swelling and heals him. And so through his action of healing on the Sabbath, Jesus is showing that in the kingdom of God, there is compassion for the sick. And not just compassion, not just a fuzzy feeling, but actual healing. And Jesus calls us to heal the sick too. Maybe as medics and maybe through prayer. And Jesus shows us that there is not a formula for people being healed. People might be healed on the Sabbath, They might be healed at a party. At times and places we would not expect. Um, I was reminded of the fact that Jesus heals in unexpected ways, at unexpected times. A few weeks ago, um, I went on holiday. I went skiing in February half term to Austria. And I went to a place that I've been to lots of times. And um, I went to a hotel that's run by my friend Rachel and her husband Thomas. Um, And just before Christmas, Rachel got quite a nasty 
cancer diagnosis. And one evening on the stairs in their hotel, she started to tell me about how God had been at work in her life in the last few months. She told me about how her seven-year-old daughter had prayed for her. This little girl prayed that as God had raised Jesus from the dead, he would heal her mummy. And as this little girl was praying, her hands went all hot and tingly. Jesus was there. Jesus was at work with them through the Holy Spirit, at work in Rachel through the prayers of a seven-year-old. Rachel went on to say, I feel like that woman who was reaching out to Jesus with the flow of blood in the Gospels. I'm reaching out to Jesus, she said, and just longing that he would heal me. And she is trusting the same Jesus that that woman in the Gospels trusted. She's trusting the same Jesus who healed the man in the ab- with the abnormal swelling in today's reading. And now it can't be guaranteed that she will be healed. But sometimes miracles do happen. And God is good and he is clearly at work in Rachel And I, for one, am hoping and praying that she will be miraculously healed. So Jesus demonstrates through healing the man, his compassion on the sick, like Rachel, and like you, if you are sick. And he shows us not to get stuck following our rules and traditions. Because he heals unexpected people in unexpected places at unexpected times. And so the point is, let's know that God is full of compassion for our sicknesses and for all our needs, and that he does heal, not always in the way that we would expect. And let's pray ourselves for that heart of compassion for those in need and for hands of healing to heal the sick. Okay, we are still at that party, and Jesus has healed the man. And then um, we are told in verse 7 that Jesus was watching the other guests at the party. And through watching the ordinary things that were going on, Jesus explained something about the kingdom of God. Jesus sees people trying to get better seats at the party. And he tells them a parable about a wedding, saying that it's not a good idea to take the best seat because you might be asked to give up your seat. Remember that Jesus was talking to Pharisees and they would have believed that the well-off was superior in God's sight to the poor. And isn't it so easy for us to fall into that trap of believing that we can become superior in God's sight by what we achieve or how we look or our family or where we live or the church we go to or the friends we have. We can feel that we can become superior And the Christian message is we don't come into relationship with God because we push ourselves forward or show God how good we are, but that we need to acknowledge our weakness, our sin, and our need for Jesus to die in our place. We need to humble ourselves and acknowledge our sin before God, and then we can enter into relationship with him. So Jesus, in the ordinary things of life, in people wanting better seats at a party, he sees truth about the kingdom of God. I wonder if we have those eyes to see God speaking to us through the ordinary things of life. 
Jesus speaks to us primarily through the Bible, but then sometimes those ordinary things can just bring those truths of the Bible home to us. And I know that I need to keep on praying for eyes to see what God might be saying to me through ordinary situations. So I've done a particularly good example, but a recent example for me has been the sliding doors at the gym. So I live in West Norwood, and I use the gym there. I love a Zumba class, Pilates class. And um, recently, I feel like God has been speaking to me um, through the automatic doors. I just feel like God is saying that he's opening doors for me. And that's quite hard for me to believe, because in recent years, I feel like there have been a lot of closed doors. A pretty basic example, maybe. But God speaks through guests at a party through sliding doors at the gym. And we need to keep on praying for eyes to see him in the normal things of life. Having healed someone at this party, having told a parable um, based on a situation at the party, Jesus then continues to use the example of a party to teach about God's kingdom. In verses 12 and 13, Jesus says, when you give a party, don't invite your friends and family. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And he repeats the point in verse 21. He's emphasizing the importance of going to invite the weakest and the least. Jesus is saying that the relationship, the invitation to relationship with God is for absolutely everyone. The invitation no, is for everyone. And I would say I've been a Christian since I was a child. And there was, I went to church as a child. And there were a series of events in my childhood and teenage years when I chose to follow Jesus, to hear that invitation, and to trust him. Uh, one particularly memorable event for me um, was a talk. And I've heard lots of talks, but I can clearly remember this talk um, at a camp when I was 10 years old in Aberiron in West Wales. And I clearly remember a talk on that camp about Revelation 3, verse 20, which says, I st- Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And I remember choosing as a 10-year-old to listen to that invitation of Jesus, to choose to live life with him, to eat with him and walk with him through life, to choose to accept his love and forgiveness. And that invitation is there for each of us. We're all invited to experience God's love and forgiveness and to live life with him. That invitation is for everyone. And Jesus is specifically saying here and keeps on making the point that it's for those who are outside, those who don't think they are worthy, those who don't have anything to offer, those who are sinful and poor or sick. So Jesus demonstrated through his action of healing, his parable about humbling ourselves, and now through specifically saying, don't invite your rich neighbors or your friends and family, but invite those who can't invite you back. And then still at this party, a Pharisee at the table with Jesus said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells the parable of the great banquet to show that there is a cost to following Jesus and that sacrifice is part 
of life under God's authority. In the parable, in verses 15 to 24, people are invited to the banquet and they make excuses um, as to why they can't come. Someone bought a field, another bought some oxen, another got married. They all had quite good excuses, really, but they chose not to accept the invitation. So the servant was told to go out and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And again, Jesus is showing us that the invitation is for everyone and that we don't come because we're especially good. We come because we have need of a savior. Jesus is showing that there will be a sacrifice to follow him. And Jesus is, of course, the ultimate example of sacrifice. He sacrificed himself on the cross. And in the passage just after this, at the end of Luke 14, he says, whoever does not carry their own cross and, carry, and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus demonstrates sacrifice in his death on the cross and sacrifice is involved in our own Christian life. All of us will face different costs the cost of having to give money away and a different standard of living to those around us, the cost of persecution, the cost of standing up for what is right in the face of criticism, the cost of caring for somebody. Uh, Bonhoeffer, you've probably heard of him, was a Christian in Nazi Germany and he faced the cost of losing his life for his faith. And he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And in that book, he talks about costly, costly grace as opposed to cheap grace. He says it, the costly grace, um, yeah, it's cost, and it, he says it is costly because it costs a man or a woman his or her life, and it is grace because it gives a man or woman the only true life. And this costly grace is what Jesus is talking about in the passage. The banquet is good. Life in the kingdom brings real joy in the long term. But there's a choice, and the choice to follow Jesus is costly. In this whole passage, we are shown that the kingdom is for everyone. And therefore, if we are in relationship with God, Jesus, we are called to go out to the poor, the sick, the lame, and the blind. We have been invited to experience the compassion, the healing, the joy of life with Jesus. But so are all those outside this church building in Clapham and South London and all over the place. And so as a church and as individuals, we are called to go out and invite them to life with Jesus. And Jesus says specifically in verse 12, don't invite your friends and family and your neighbors and the people you would naturally come into contact with, but invite those who you would not normally associate with. Uh, Jackie Pullinger is a Christian missionary in Hong Kong. At age 21, she got on a boat and prayed that God would show her where to get off. Uh, she got off in Hong Kong and has spent the last 50 years working with prostitutes, heroin addicts, and gang members in Hong Kong. And when she gave a talk in London a few years ago, she said, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The trouble with so many of us is that we have hard hearts 
and soft feet. God wants us to have hearts of compassion to see the needs of others and feet ready to go to the challenging places to draw others into the kingdom of God. We are going to pray this morning for those hearts of compassion as Jesus had for that man with the swelling, for hands of healing to pray for and heal the sick, for eyes to see God at work in the ordinary things of life, for ears to hear his invitation and his call, and then for feet to walk with him in the face of difficulty and sacrifice to draw others into true life following Jesus. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, would you give us those hearts of compassion? Would you give us hands of healing? We would love more testimonies of healing in this place. Would you give us eyes to see you speaking to us as we go about our lives? And would you help us to hear your invitation to follow? Would you fill us with your spirit so that we can walk with you through life, inviting others to follow you? Amen.